0: All right, so we will go to the Lord for another quick note of prayer and then we will read through the section. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your many blessings. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, your son. We thank you for his sacrifice for us. We thank you for his death on the cross and his body that bore our sins and his blood that was shed for us that saved us from the penalty of sin. Father, this morning we remembered your son and we thank you for the time of fellowship thereafter and we thank you now for the opportunity to look into your word together father pray that you would take me out of this message and that only your words would be there left for us to hear and hide in our hearts pray a blessing on this time pray also for the sunday school that you would bless bethany and uh if rachel is helping as they teach and that you would bless the children and open their hearts to receive your word as well father pray that you would just grow them and cause them to strengthen in an understanding of the scriptures and a love for, for you, Lord. We just praise and thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So Luke chapter 11, I'm going to read through, I did 1 through 13, so I'll read through that whole section, and then we'll go verse by verse. So Luke chapter 11, reading in the ESV, starts, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are left with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to our hearts this morning. So this section starts off with what I noted to be for myself and hopefully for all of us this morning, an awesome reminder to pattern what we do after what the Lord Jesus does. Not just in the context of this verse, although that's where we are this morning, but this verse tells us that the disciples, after hearing or seeing or knowing that the Lord Jesus was praying, They asked him to teach them to pray. And I thought it was pretty neat that it says, at least in the ESV, but it says, Lord, teach us to pray. It doesn't say teach us how to pray, although the Lord Jesus provides both the method and the the other piece of it in terms of the fact that they see the Lord Jesus praying to his father and he does it a lot. Like we see it recorded here many times in scripture, not just in Luke, but obviously in the other gospels. And we can imagine that there are also many, many other times where the Lord is praying to his father. And the disciples see that and they're patterning that. They're looking at the Lord Jesus. And for us, as we take that, again, beyond the the confines of this verse and the context that we're looking at here, there's no better teacher than the Lord Jesus. And there's no better place to learn the teaching of the Lord Jesus than his word. So an exhortation and, and a reminder, even here in the first part of this first verse, to pattern what we do after the greatest example of what we can do, which is the Lord Jesus. Spending time in Scripture to understand how the Lord Jesus prayed, how he lived, how he constantly pointed to the Father and went to the Father in prayer. The other sobering reminder is just that, the frequency. How often the Lord Jesus prayed to his Father. So it's not really even just learning to pray like him in terms of the content of the prayer, but also learning to pray like him in terms of the frequency and the intimacy of the prayers that we pray when we pray to the Father. And the intimacy we see in verse two there, because he says to them, when you pray, not when I pray, not Jesus saying, when I pray, I say to my Father, Father, But he's your father too. When you pray, say father. So it's not just the Lord Jesus Christ saying, well, I have to say that because he's my father. But we know as believers that we can call God our father. And that's a beautiful thing there, just that intimacy that we can have. And when we go to the father, and, and you juxtapose this with the Old Testament where God, it's not another name of God, you know, Yahweh or some other of the many other names of God that in that Old Testament context might make it sound more like, yes, an all-powerful, all-capable, all-knowing and loving and all of that stuff, God, but a little bit more removed. And we'll pray to him, but we can't be in his presence and approach him. The The beauty here to me is the intimacy. The veil has been torn down. We have access. We can come to the Father in love and have that close Intimacy, and we're going to touch on this a little bit later too, with the the pictures that the Lord Jesus uses when He tells about persistence in prayer. And I think the ESV says impudence. I can't remember the exact word, but we'll see it here in a bit. Um, but Father, calling him Father, and because of the work that God originated through the lord jesus christ sending him to this earth to die for us on the cross shed his precious blood allow us to be grafted into the father or into the family excuse me to call him father to have that place in the family to be joint heirs with christ to call him father when you pray say father and i think that's a beautiful thing that we can take joy in every time we go to him abba father daddy that closeness and that fellowship and that love that we can have in going to him. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, there in verse 2. Hallowed is Hagiazo. Don't ask me to actually pronounce it, but there in the, uh, the etymology of the word in the Greek there, to make holy or to purify or consecrate or venerate. To be holy, etc. So, hallowed be your name, and starting off the prayer by putting God in that place that He deserves. The Father's name should be reverenced, consecrated, and venerated above all else, and that's how the prayer starts. It doesn't start with "Father, I need this," or "Father, I want this," or "Father." Please give me this or let me do this or whatever it is that in our flesh, we may, that's, that's our goal in going to him. But as we pattern our lives with God at the head, we pattern our prayers with praise and adoration and reverence at the beginning, at the outset of the prayer. Um, I don't pray nearly as often as I should probably not even close to as often as I should. But one of the things that I've tried to do when I pray is actually loosely pattern after this. So in opening up a prayer, thanking him for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what I'm praying for, even if I'm praying with the kids or anything like that, thanking him for his son and praising him first and then asking, and then going into a portion if there is an ask there, um, where that comes afterwards. So praising him first. And again, that's something that we can take even beyond the context here to our lives and praising God first. But overall, the father's name is given that Hagiazo, that reverence, um, hallowed be your name. And that, that next little snippet I thought was really neat your kingdom come. Um, you know, we know that in the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just that small phrase, your kingdom come, I I, I saw in that a longing, which I think we can all this morning say that we, we share and that we possess, which is to see this world end and the Lord's kingdom come. I this is my conjecture, right? So, so separate that in your minds, if you will. But I think that's one of the marks of a true believer. Somebody that could say that they truly, above the preservation of their own life and the continuation of their life on earth, despite all the love that we would have for family and friends and loved ones and things that we would desire to see fulfilled on earth, like a, a business goal or a family goal or even spending more time with a loved one, Beyond and above all of that, it's a desire to see the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ come. The kingdom of God come and be at hand because of what it means to us. The fulfillment of all that is and should be the most important to us. Your kingdom come. The mark of a true believer, the one that can truly and honestly say, your kingdom come. Let this life be over and let our life with Christ begin even so come lord jesus quickly come that day i think is a blessed day that we're all in anticipation of this morning and if we're not oh i, I wish i could st- I, I wish i could get this done and then he could come that would be really cool like that that should never be the case because there should never be anything before him that we would rather get done on this earth now, you could argue like, oh, but I would love to save a few more souls because I know that's after the heart of God. But God is going to come. He's, Jesus is going to come when he comes. He will take care of worrying about all of that. So we can say, come, Lord Jesus, quickly come out of that longing and that desire to see him and to be with him for all of eternity. Your kingdom come. Come. And then give us this day our daily bread. I talked about it a little bit in the breaking of bread this morning. But Proverbs 30 and verse 8 reads, Feed me with the food that is needful for me. So whether that's a reference to physical or spiritual food, I think the ask is the same. And that's why I, I went down the spiritual road this morning because I was just trying to make a... Um, make a reference to the the feast that we were celebrating this morning. There's not a huge banquet table spread with all kinds of delicacies and, you know, we're, we're stuffing our bellies with, with physical food. It's just a little round table with some crackers and some juice on it. But for us, it's a feast because of what it spiritually represents. And As we ask him for our needs, whether spiritual or physical, again, give us each day our daily bread. And if you read in the etymology, it's really our bread for tomorrow. But looking to him for provision of everything. As we we expand on the context again, that's right here in front of us. Looking to the Lord Jesus and to God for our provision of everything. So physical needs, spiritual needs constantly going to him. And the beautiful thing, again, which we'll get to a little bit later, is in the persistence of prayer is not just doing this once a week or not just doing this once in a long while, but if you're gonna pray, give, give us each day our daily bread or give us each day that which we need for the next day, you're probably gonna wanna be doing that every day because you're going to him and you're relying on him not just for your needs for the next week or, or, you know, I'll do it today and then I don't need to do it again for another few days or whatever. But this is something where we're constantly, constantly going to the Lord. And that is what he wants. He wants that intimate relationship with us to be constantly in communication and conversation with us and in prayer and in fellowship. And... In this country, I think all of us are probably in the same boat here where it's not like, I don't know if I'm going to eat tomorrow. We may not be eating the most healthy thing and the most expensive foods, but we can buy food. Like We can, we can survive. We can go buy bread. We can, we can buy rice. We could buy that which we need to survive another day. And so do we really need to go to God and be like, I don't know where my next meal is going to come from, but I trust that you, you will provide, and I thank you for doing so. We don't need to do that. When we thank him for the food. I like to be in the habit of thanking God for the food because it's all from him. Everything is from him ultimately. But as we look at this verse, I like to kind of go even more towards the spiritual side of it. Because yes, I know that tomorrow I have enough money in my bank account that I can go and I can pay for some more food and that there's food in my fridge and my family's not gonna go hungry. But spiritually, I need to pray every single day for the next day to sustain my soul with spiritual food because we probably don't get that nearly as much as we get our physical food and we should. Give us each day our daily bread. That verse in Psalms that I read, feed me with the food that is needful for me. We could argue that, yeah, physical food is needful for you because otherwise you'll starve to death. Okay, cool. But what's really needful for us? Because what's more important, the eternal soul or the physical body? I think the answer is obvious. The food that is needful for us more so than physical food is spiritual food. To be provided by spiritual nourishment and refreshment from the father and to daily go to him and ask him each day for the daily bread to sustain us that the bread for the next day again even if it's meant here physically to think about it in that way to think about it spiritually asking him for that to give us that hunger and that desire to be in his word and to spend time with him and to to spend time with other believers where we can build each other up physically, or I'm sorry, spiritually, not just to meet physically and talk about whatever, you know, things that are going on, work, sports, life, school, friends, whatever, but to to talk about the things that are truly important, the spiritual things. And it, it encourages the dependence on the Lord, which is a wonderful and beautiful thing. Again, in this country, we don't have... A lot of that from a day-to-day needs perspective, but we ask for some of the bigger things. Like, I don't, I'm worried about my job and I, you know, my next job or I got laid off and I I don't know what's going to happen or um, I might need to move or, you know, some of the bigger things that we would go to him. But even just going to him in that constant ask for Spiritual refreshment and and spiritual nourishment, I think, is a beautiful thing. Because if nothing else, it gets us in more constant communication with the Father, which is only good for us. All the money in the world won't be able to buy us spiritual food. So we can have full bank accounts and say, I don't need to pray to God because I can go buy food based on what I have right now, probably for the rest of my life. I'm good. But you can't spend $100,000 and go buy spiritual food. You, you, You get that from the word of God. That comes from God. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. John 4, and I am the living bread. We read this this morning. Um, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And that's John six fifty one. So thinking about the daily bread that we need in the context of spiritual nourishment, here it is bread. If you look at the etymology, it's artos, bread or a loaf, the show bread, you know, there's, there's various meanings in the etymology. But going to Jesus and leaning on him, leaning on God for our daily needs, and then extending the meaning here to also include our daily spiritual needs, which again are so much more important. I think that's a beautiful thing. That we can all do and should all do, and then forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. I think some translations have "as we forgive those who are indebted to us." It's it's likely understood here by all of us, but I would proffer that this is not in reference to the forgiveness from the penalty of sin. That's been wrought for us by the Lord Jesus and his death on the cross. That's the only way that that was, that was done for us. I take this to be more about repentance and having a repentant heart for the things that we still do. So the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. We know that. That is an ineffable truth. We know that he's paid for the penalty of sin if we've accepted the free gift of salvation. But we also know that we're still in the presence of sin. Paul would tell us that we constantly wrestle between the flesh and the spirit and that we inhabit a body of death. O wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? So, I know I'm going to keep sinning. I don't want to, but I'm going to. I just know that my flesh is going to win sometimes. Because God has already sent Jesus to pay for my sin, do I just, it's already taken care of. I don't need to tell him I'm sorry. Well, no, because again, as we'll see here even a little bit later, there's this thought in this section about continual, persistent, fervent prayer. And it's not the case that we're saying, oh, sorry, that was the straw that broke a camel's back, that one sin, please forgive me of that. You've already forgiven me, and I thank you for that. You sent your son, and you paid for the penalty of that sin and all the other myriads of sins that I and the rest of the world have committed, are committing, and will commit. But I am sorry that I was weak in that. So asking more for forgiveness in the the sense of repentance, having a repentant heart for the things that we would still continue to do. And again, I mentioned the mark of a believer before, one of the marks, I guess, of a believer, evidences or whatever you want to call it. I think another evidence here is that and this is something that I've struggled with where, where I continue to sin. And I look at myself and I look at certain verses in the scriptures and I say, like, how can I continue in sin? The Bible says that we're not going to continue in sin. But then at the same time, I inhabit a body of death, I, and a, a body of flesh, and, and I am gonna continue to sin. But when we do sin, and I know this is true of myself and probably with us this morning, that it's not that we just go on about our lives and say like, oh, okay, whatever. Like we we feel that guilt and that weight and we can go to him and should go to him and then confess that sin and ask for his forgiveness for that sin. Not because it was excluded from what Christ did, but because we're truly sorry and our spirit is warring against the flesh, even though we stumbled in that moment. We can go to him in restored fellowship, telling him that we're sorry for the sins that we continue to commit. And the middle portion of this verse is interesting as, as far as, you know, as we forgive or for we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. I mean, do we? Do we forgive everyone that is indebted to us? We should. I look at this as in much the same way as we had a debt against our internal souls that I think Bill touched on it this morning in the breaking of bread. We regularly fail to realize the true weight of that debt, the true weight of the sin that has been paid for by the Lord Jesus and really entering into what we were destined to and now what we've been translated into, it really sets things in the correct perspective here. Because what are the debts that we're talking about that people may be indebted to us for? Money on earth? Is that more important than a spiritual debt that we might have? time, or any other physical, earthly, quantifiable measure, none of that really, really matters. We should forgive others who have wronged us or are indebted to us. Back in chapter 7 of Luke, when we were studying through it, Jesus asked Simon the Pharisee a question via a parable about debtors. And you have one who forgave more and, and one who forgave not as much. And he said, Who's going to love him more? The one for whom he canceled the larger debt, said Simon. And he said, You have judged rightly. So for us, what larger debt is, is there than the one that Jesus canceled in relation to our sin? There, there is no larger debt. So our love for the Lord Jesus is and should be so massive that we recognize what's been done for us, and we recognize how paltry everything else and any other debt that we might have that others may owe us is in comparison to that. We then become full of that realization. We become like the woman who washed the feet of the Lord Jesus with her hair and her tears in that same passage that talked about the Pharisee there as she realized what it was, the life that she was living, the life that she needed to turn away from. That was her focus. I mean, we even looked at this juxtaposition that Mark covered at the tail end of the previous chapter where was it it wrong for Martha to be serving? No, it wasn't wrong. Was it more important for Mary to be getting that spiritual food at that time? Yeah. So the one thing, the Lord Jesus said, the one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So Martha was doing a good thing. But the more important thing in that moment was the the message coming from the Lord Jesus. And so as we look at these, these debts, forgive us our sins as we or for we ourselves, forgive everyone who is indebted to us, that is an exhortation that would fly in the face of what our flesh would likely do. Our flesh would likely immediately say, well, no, you owe me that. And it's probably a very fine gray area But there's likely room there for us to forgive the debt. Depending on the circumstance, I'm not going to get into every little jot and tittle of these things, but depending on the circumstance, there are likely opportunities to forgive the debt as we look to, especially if it's a brother or sister in the Lord, as we look to help others where we can come alongside of them and help them. And then that last portion of of verse 4 there, lead us not into temptation. Another interesting one because we know that God does not tempt anyone to sin. He allows us to be tested, and we are, and that testing is for our good, to strengthen us. It's not to tear us down and destroy us. The Lord doesn't do things for our spiritual detriment. So I take the request of do not lead us into temptation to be more of an expression of our recognition of our own inability to resist temptation. So when the time of temptation arises, please give me strength to resist it, to in that moment of decision, which comes down to a point in time of seconds, please help me to make the right choice. The Lord tells his disciples, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And this goes back to what we talked about, the constant battle, the constant war and the constant struggle. I know, based on my own life, that we have to be like, I don't know if it's in Psalms or Proverbs or somewhere in the Old Testament, but talking of the man who would be tempted if he walked by a certain way by a woman that he knows is alone for her husband is off traveling. Don't even go that way. If you have to walk all the way around just to avoid that circumstance, then do it because that's better for you. Because all at once you'll fall into it because in that moment you're weak and you allowed yourself into that circumstance. And we can't avoid every circumstance. Satan is always there crouching and waiting to spring them on us. But we can pray, going back to the persistence and the consistency of our prayers, pray constantly to God to give us the strength. So we're not just going to slough off the flesh all of a sudden and stop sinning. That will be with us. We're in this body of death until we go home to be with the Lord. But let's be vigilant in prayer to the one who can give us that strength and that victory. There's there's an an element here of a very real need for action on our part. Because we're not praying to God to, like I mentioned before, of that story in the Old Testament, like, take us, show us that circuitous route so that we never even get into a, a trial, or a tribulation or a temptation scenario like he doesn't do that he doesn't robotically guide us away from anything that could potentially cause us to stumble or have a trial or anything like that so we're relying on God to when we do end up in those scenarios and if we see them coming we should avoid them but when we do end up in those scenarios when we find ourselves in them in that moment we still need to take the action we need to take that step in the right direction and that's where we're praying for the lord to strengthen us in that moment to allow us to not enter into temptation because we know that the flesh is weak the spirit is willing lord help my spirit win over the flesh in this in this circumstance in this opportunity mcdonald put it pretty interestingly about Praying that the opportunity to sin and the desire to do so wouldn't coincide. So as we look to the next section there in verse five, he says to them, Which of a friend, or which of you who has a friend, will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, lots of friends, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I thought that this section was really, really interesting because if you read it just as it is, it has has an interesting bent to it where I was like, is he saying that do not bother me in verse seven. Like, we know that that's not what God thinks. Like, he's not like, oh, Mark's reaching out to me again. Like, I can't believe it. That's like the 50th time this week. Like, don't bother me. Like, this is the opposite. Like, he's saying because of his, again, in my, in my ESV, it's, it's because of his impudence, but it's really his Importunity, his, his persistence, um, he will give him whatever he needs. So we need to make sure that we're not taking from this story here the, the wrong um, parable meaning or the wrong interpretation or the, the wrong tie to what God or, or Jesus in this case is trying to convey So it's not the do not bother me element. It's the seeking and the consistency and the insistence element to go to him and go to him and go to him again in prayer constantly. And I think part of that too is that you may go to him and then nothing happens that we can see. And we're like, why would I go to him again with the same thing? The world would define that as insanity doing the same thing and expecting a different result. I would define in this context that as faith because there's many outcomes. God may choose to answer that in the way that we asked it. Great. God may choose to answer that in a different way, the way that we didn't ask it. And I think a lot of times that's what happens because his, his ways are so much higher than ours. And that's awesome. We can, we can be thankful for that. Did we have the grace to see it for what it was? Sometimes. I know Mark always talks about looking back to see what God did for you this week. And that was a thing I think at camp for a while. And just focusing on and reflecting specifically on looking for those things. And the more we focus on that and put an emphasis on that, I think the more we see, oh yeah, that really did answer that. It was just in a roundabout way. I didn't put that together. But there's also a circumstance where he just might not do it. We may ask for something and he won't do it. Is that like, is he like, you're bothering me? I'm not doing that for you. We could look at it that way, although that would be incorrect. In that case, the no is probably what's best for us. Because we may have been asking for something and he knows that the giving of that wouldn't have been what's best for us. But then we ask again. And we ask again, and we ask again, and we ask again. And I think we will see in that constant discussion and discourse with the Lord in prayer, the answer. It may be a no, and we will get the grace and the understanding. It may be a different answer. But I think the faith is there to focus on the elements of it's for our good whether we get that answer or not, it's for our good. It may be answered in a different way than, he, than, than we expected it to be. But we can know that he hears us. It's not falling on deaf ears, and it's not that he is lazy and slow to act for the good of those who love them, who love him. In Luke, but later in Luke in, in chapter 18, there's another parable where a persistent widow goes to a judge asking for justice against her adversary. And eventually he caves because of her persistence. And that parable as well has that interesting aspect to it of the judge is annoyed because she keeps coming and coming and coming. And eventually he's like, I think he says, I do not fear God and I fear no man, yet because of her annoying persistence, paraphrasing, I will do this for her so that she can stop bothering me, basically. And that's not the father. But the element of that persistence and doing it in faith is is the key here. He's not annoyed by our persistent prayer. In fact, he desires it. It's a show of faith And again, if nothing else, it keeps us in that constant, constant communication with the Father. And it says there, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. And this is not the name it, claim it. This is not whatever you ask for, you're going to get. Because, again, as I mentioned earlier, the answer from God may be no. You may may pray for something and 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 it doesn't happen. But I think the importance there is to recognize that it's not like God couldn't do it. It's not like he wasn't powerful enough to do it. It's not like he didn't hear us ask for it, especially if we're asking persistently. So... If he heard it and he can do it, yet he doesn't do it and he does all things for our good, then we need to be happy with that answer. And we need to be okay with that potentially being the answer. Or that it's just not time yet and maybe it's going to happen. But as we go to him and consistently pray, I think he will give us that grace and that wisdom and understanding to see that if it is continually a desire of our heart and it's aligned with the heart of the heavenly father. We're not just like, God, I want a million bucks. Give me a million bucks. And then we don't get a million bucks. And we're like, I guess he's not powerful enough to give me a million bucks. You can see the fallacy in that. So it's not the name it, claim it gospel or aspect um, that I think some might teach. You know, whatever you ask for, you're gonna get it. Whatever you're seeking, you're gonna find it. But you will... Get something, and you will find something, and a door will be opened. It just may not be the one that you expected, but it will be good, and he will do it. For what father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? I think this is exactly saying that. Focus on the fact that if you ask your father for something, he may give you something different. But in this case, it's not going to be something that's going to harm you. It's not going to be, in each case, if he, gives, if he asks you for a fish, it doesn't say we'll instead give him a loaf of bread. It's, it's going to be something that's good for you if he even gives you something in that moment because you actually need it or don't need it. But it's not going to be something that harms you. It goes on to say, or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If we, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Heavenly Father... It doesn't say give good gifts to you. It actually says give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. I thought that was particularly interesting as well. Focusing on the giving of the Holy Spirit. And not in the sense that when we're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. McDonald had mentioned the fact that this is not, if you dig into the etymology here, it's not even the Holy Spirit, although a lot of the translations will render it that for the smoothness of reading it in our common vernacular. It's just give Holy Spirit. And a lot of times in Scripture when that specific phraseology is used, it's really the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the comfort that the Holy Spirit can provide. But again, the focus here. I think, in this portion is really that God loves us. He hears us. He is more than capable and able to act in these scenarios that we would bring to him. So no matter what happens, if they're answered exactly how we ask, if they're answered differently than we asked, if they're answered how we ask but later differently than we asked but later, or not at all, it's all for our good and it's all for our betterment just like we would look back on the trials and tribulations and pray for that grace and that strength to not enter into the temptation at the time of. Even those trials and that prayer to him and seeing him give us the strength and have the victory is going to continue to strengthen us and build us up. And it's just all for our good and for our benefit. And so this section here, And I probably could have dug more into those first four verses and made a message out of those, but I wanted to encapsulate 5 through 13 as well because it is, in my opinion, all about prayer. The parable is all about prayer. It comes back to that thought of consistent and persistent prayer and I know I always say this, but I'm not up here telling you guys this because I'm there and I made it and I've arrived at it and I pray all the time for every little thing like I should. I'm, my conscience was pricked maybe more than anyone else's that I need to get better at this. But I knelt down at my bedside last night and I prayed. And when I woke up this morning, I prayed. And I feel like part of that was because I was pricked in my conscience. And I was like, why wouldn't I just do this all the time? I need to do it more. And may the Lord give me and give us strength to constantly go to him in prayer, in thanksgiving, in asking for things, in just talking to him and sharing. We know he knows, but is that an excuse not to talk to him about it? I don't think he would want it to be. So let's go to him in prayer for not just the big things, but all things. And be persistent, not because it's something that we want that he's not giving us the way that we want it, but because we know that he is good and whatever the answer is, it's going to be good. Let's just give him thanks this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, we thank you for your love for us. We would just praise and honor and glorify you this morning as the name above all names, the mighty God, we would, as we saw this morning, hallow your name and praise you before we ask you for anything. And Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can look at Scripture together. Pray that if anything that I said this morning is not in alignment with what you would have us to hide in our hearts and take from this message, Father, that you would cause us to come to the right discernment of the scriptures. In spirit and in truth, Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of prayer as we focused on it this morning in this section. Pray that you would give us the grace to be persistent and consistent in our prayers to come to you over and over and over again, asking for strength to fight against temptation, asking for help in circumstances, big and small, and knowing in faith that whether you answer us immediately, later, in the same way that we asked or not at all, that it's for our good. And we thank you, Father, that we can rest in these simple truths, and in faith, just continue to talk with you in prayer. We thank you, Father, for these things. pray that you would strengthen us throughout the week ahead, and we praise and thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.